Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that normally sees two films with something in common go head to head. But this episode is a very Special show. Ladies and gentlemen, join your hosts, Alexander Zane, Victoria Crompton, and Christopher Tilly as they look back across 2019 and beyond through cinematic history. Coming to you live from the O2 Arena London, welcome to the first ever annual Clash Pod Awards. Uh, hang on, hang on. So, <laughs> it was this going... has started well. Oh, it's lovely. Uh, yeah, brilliant. <laughs> thank you, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. The stars are in anticipation. Let's hear it for Alex Zane, Christopher Tilly, and Victoria Crompton. Hello. Hello, Brad. Brad, hello down there. Leo, good to see you. Looking well. Ten awards to hand out in the first ever Clashpot Awards. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. And I'm Christopher Tilly. Yes, you are. It's a very formal event. I'm glad we're all in black tie. Uh, the O2 Arena is packed to the rafters with the who's who of Hollywood and beyond. So we have 10 categories to give out awards to today. How are you feeling, my gorgeous co-hosts? Good. I'm excited to be here. Excited to see a lot of faces I recognise. There's Tim Curry. <laughs> <laughs> That's Frank Welker. Frank Welker. I've never seen his face before, but he's lo- he looks great. He's much he, more handsome than I was expecting. He, he's holding an anaconda puppet. <laughs> Um, so, yes, we are doing an awards show this year, a sort of awards show slash opinion show slash we've never done it before. So strap in because this is going to be one hell of a ride. I think we're also using it as an excuse to get to know each other a little better. We're asking questions of each other, which should give an insight into our, our psyches, our childhoods. I our... would just like to go on record and say I know as much as I would like to know mm. and um 
don't need to know any more about you two. Do you go really? home? Do you go home thinking, I wish I knew Vicky and Alex better? Well, you know, you're you're relatively new friends in my in my life. But the I, condensed hours we've spent together. <laughs> we've spent a lot of time together. I didn't know Vicky last year. Alex and I were mere acquaintances. <laughs> and we've spent a lot of time together this year. Some would say too much. Yeah, I would say too much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's why we don't need to know any more about each other. But hell. Should we not do this then? <laughs> <laughs> we've written the categories now, so let's press on. So, Christopher, would you like to introduce the first category? Yes, Alex. Uh, the first category is Film of the Year. Film of the Year, ladies and gentlemen. How do you feel about that? The applause isn't working that well. <laughs> There's a delay on the feed. We are live. I apologise <laughs> for that. It's a, it's a, it's a satellite. Live broadcast. That's the risk you take, <laughs> it's isn't it? It's a satellite issue. So the first category is film of the year. The film that we are recommending as the best of 2019. Who would like to go first? Ladies first, surely. Okay. So um, I have been to the cinema two times this year. <laughs> and um, one of the, the film that I've picked is one that I've seen. Okay. Um, I've been watching a lot of stuff, um, but I'm behind. So fire me. I don't care. <laughs> um, Can we do, I didn't know we could do that. Is that an option? Let's have a chat afterwards. <laughs> Essentially, what I found out is I've been watching a lot of stuff, but from 2018. And so to, to keep within this very strict format, I have to pick a film from 2019. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's how film of the year 2019 works. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to have to say that my film of the year is uh, Joker. Mm. Yeah, a surprise choice from me there. Is that because you went to see it with me? Yeah, it is. It's such a good time. Mm. <laughs> um, Joker is on my list because I've done a lot of prep for this show because it's an award show. I have got two nominees uh, and then my final nominee. So two runner-up nominees and one of them is Joker. It's not my film of the year, but why is it yours? I would like to... I think I'm just going to throw it over because, I, like I say, I've been to the cinema two times <laughs> And so I think it would be unrealistic for me to draw out my choice any longer than this. So why don't I throw that over to you and you can talk at length about what your nominee's on favourite film is. Okay. She's not put forward a very good <laughs> argument for her film winning. Oh, sorry. No, her, I really liked category. it. Her, really liked her it. argument is she's seen it <laughs> and it's one of and two. It, it was better than the other one. Is that all right? What was the other one? I'll tell you later. Okay. Okay, uh, so I have Joker on my list because I do think it's an incredible film. I, yeah, the, you came in absolutely buzzing after mm, you'd seen that one. It's genuinely one of those movies that it took me a full day to decompress from because I found it such a powerful piece of filmmaking. I, I know some people find it weird that I found it as hilarious as I did, but when I interviewed Todd Phillips, I went, I thought it was a comedy, and he went, that's because you're a freak like me, <laughs> which I don't know if he was referencing The Dark Knight, but it's a great line. And Did you tell him how much of yourself you saw in the character? No, I didn't. Okay. <laughs> Is that just between us? <laughs> it's a line I draw. Uh, <laughs> but I just thought it was great. And I loved, I love how Todd Phillips has evolved as a filmmaker. I think when you look back across his CV, a man who started with Road Trip and Old School and Stark Skin Hutch, and then you gradually see this darkness creep into his work. Because then you get into The Hangover, which is dark, Due Date, which isn't a great film because it's sort of quite dark as well. This sort of planes, trains and automobiles style comedy, also dark. And then you get into part two of The Hangover and part three and War Dogs. And it feels like a natural evolution of a filmmaker to be making this film now. And I love where he's gone. 
that's my argument for why it's my nominee, <laughs> one of my runner-up nominees, <laughs> not my actual nominee. So I knew you had a lot to say. I wasn't worried. <laughs> I've worked harder later on in, in this it's all right, show. You're not, you're not being judged yet. <laughs> uh, so what were your other nominees then, Alex, for uh, this category where you're only supposed to pick one? I know. I thought I knew you'd say that. I knew you'd have a problem <laughs> with the fact I overworked. Um, Ad Astra is my other runner-up nominee. I only saw it recently. I caught up with it on a hotel TV when I was in New York the other week. Is that the best place to see it? Probably not. It's yeah. a very beautiful movie. Yeah, yeah. And it does... Be, I mean, I was going to watch it on the bloody aeroplane, but I decided to wait until I had a bigger TV. Uh, yeah, you should see it at the cinema. I should have seen it at the cinema. Um, but it's just beautiful. I think Brad Pitt's performance in it is phenomenal. I think the production design... Uh, I love what James Gray, uh, the t- director, has tried to do... Um, with this whole making space travel look so terrifyingly possible, but equally deadly in the future. And it's one of those movies that there are such throwaway moments in it that I think other filmmakers would have made an entire film out of. Like when he stops on Mars, which is this horrible outpost on Mars, and Ruth Negger plays this woman, and you assume that these people have been posted on Mars, and she just throws this line away. She's like, no, I've never been to Earth. I was born here on Mars. And you're like, that's a film in itself about people who are born and live out their entire life on Mars. So I thought that was great. It reminded me of Blade Runner 2049 when their hover car gets shot down by these people living in the wasteland using a kite to electrocute it. And you're like, that would be someone else's entire movie, and it's a scene in Blade Runner 2049. So that's why Ad Astra is my runner-up nominee. I really want to see that one. And I'm gutted I won't get to see it on the big screen now because I missed it. It's a weird one. A lot of people said they loved it until the very end. And because I don't think enough people have seen it yet, I'm not going to say the very end, but do watch it. It's great. So my nominee then for best film of the year. We finally got there. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, good. I'm quite glad you picked that. I was hoping you would. Yeah, I just think it's... It's the only film that I've watched three times that was released this year. I've seen it three times and I've loved it every time and I find something new to love in it. It's an immersive film. I disagree with everyone who goes, and I've had more than one person go, weirdly enough, a bit like Ad Astra. It's, well, the opposite of Ad Astra, actually. People go, it's so boring until the end. The end's the best bit with the Mm. old ultraviolence. But um, I thought it was Leonardo DiCaprio. It's better or at least as good as his performance in Wolf of Wall Street. I think he's incredible. Brad Pitt, to me, has never been better, even in Ad Astra. He's had a great year. So, yeah, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Where would it rank for you in, in uh, Tarantino history? Uh, it's up there. It's yeah. up there with Inglorious Bastards, um, okay. which is one of my favourites, and uh, even Pulp Fiction. So it's in the, it's sort of, it hovers around the best Tarantino movie for me. And that's one we've both seen, Vicky. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on? Can I save my thoughts for when we come up to a different category? Yeah, Is that all right? I just, yeah, I haven't written enough to Mis- be able to mysterious. like. Mysterious. Award shows are meant to have <laughs> trepidation in them. So yeah. I'm excited. I will tell you what I think, but mm. not right now. Okay. Well. Also, I love it because you know how I feel about Burt Reynolds being one of my favourite actors in mm-hmm. the history of cinema. And he was actually cast in the Bruce Dern role, but sadly passed away before he could film it. But he did do a rehearsal read, and the great line in it where someone says about Brad Pitt, uh, I think it's the guy who plays Bruce Lee, goes, he's uh, too, he goes, you're pretty for a stuntman. And that was an ad lib by Burt Reynolds in the rehearsal read that made it into the final film. Oh, so Burt left us with something. Yeah, he did. 
So numerous reasons why I love that. Chris, tell me yours. Okay, uh, my film is from 2017, but it didn't actually come out in the UK until 2019. If I'd have known that, (laughs) would I not have come a bit better prepared? (laughs) No, but your film's worse released in 2018. It's a different thing. Yeah, I don't. Different... Right, okay. A, I don't see how it's different. B, you could have texted me to let me know, but please carry on. I've, I literally, two nights ago, I told you what the film is. <laughs> oh, <did you? laughs> have you Fine. had discussions? Have you opened the envelopes before the show? You left, you left the pub early. <laughs> right, Warren Beatty's off the hook now. This is, this is news. And uh, this is a film called One Cut of the Dead. Mm. Um, it's a Japanese zombie horror comedy that um, I first saw in 2018 at Fright Fest. Um, And it was really interesting. It was the word of mouth hit there, so much so that they had to put on several extra screenings, which they've never really had to do at Fright Fest. It was quite an unusual thing because everyone wanted to see it and a lot of people had missed it. Partly because of the synopsis, really, and the concept. So I'll briefly tell you the synopsis, which, to be honest, put me off. So I didn't see it first time around. Um, It says the makers of a low budget zombie film called One Cut of the Dead are shooting an abandoned water filtration plant. The director argues with actors and eventually abandons them. As the actors await for his return, a real zombie apocalypse begins to the delight of the director who insists that the camera operator continues filming. And that just sounded quite hokey to me. It does. And like you've kind of seen that kind of thing before. And what is there new to bring to the zombie horror comedy trope, which feels like it's just been done to death. Mm -hmm. But what you don't realise is that's the first 30 minutes of the film. And because I'm guessing a lot of people won't have seen it, I won't spoil it, but it's very much a film in three parts. And each section makes you reevaluate what you've seen before. So it does start out scary, but then it becomes really funny. And then it just becomes really touching and heartfelt. And so um, I've felt real zombie movie fatigue the last few years. But in 2016, there was a Korean movie called Train to Busan. Have you seen that? Oh, that's an incredible masterpiece. Incredible movie. And makes you realise there's there's more life in this corpse yet mm. and and then and then this one did exactly the same thing and so that, that, that again that's a movie that ticks the box of being absolutely terrifying but also heartbreaking God. if you aren't crying at the end of that film you aren't <laughs> you aren't human yeah. and also one of your best puns actually there's more life in this corpse when yeah. talking about if you got that in highlighted it's literally written it's literally highlighted <laughs> right, okay, that sorry. wasn't an accident you don't think right. he misses these nothing <laughs> <laughs> happens by accident in that corner of the room at the o2 arena <laughs> and, it, and it's definitely a film because of these three distinct sections that you want to see over and over again and share with friends as well. I've I've shown it to two or three mates and they've loved it because and it's fun being with people who aren't expecting what's coming. So okay. um, it's available on Shudder if you want to check it out now or, or buy the DVD. Right then. Well, three nominees there. Joker, One Cut of the Dead and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I can't in good conscience as it was a runner up nominee go with Joker. So it's either One Cut of the Dead or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I can't go for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Well then, if I am going for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood (laughs) and you're going for... One Cut of the Dead. (laughs) Well, then I've got to go for One Cut of the Dead. (laughs) (laughs) I can't nominate it. I I do love Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as well, but this was my preference this year. So the winner of the best film of 2019... Congratulations, One Cut of the Dead. No one saw that coming. (laughs) 
Oh, the audience love that decision, though, Chris. Everyone loves an underdog. Oh, You're wait. Right. Brad and Leo are walking out. Oh, I see the Japanese cast are here. Hi, guys. <laughs> Hi, guys. <laughs> okay. First award down, one cut of the dead, is the Clash Pod Awards Film of the Year. I noticed that none of us picked the top five movies in terms of box office as our nominees, which were Fact Fans, Avengers Endgame, obviously number one, the Lion King was number two. Spider-Man Far From Home was number three. Then Captain Marvel and Toy Story. Now, those were commercially the most successful movies of the year. Let's move on to our next category of the night. Next up, we are doing the biggest disappointment of the year. Yeah, we're going negative early. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so... Biggest disappointment of the year. Chris, would you like to start us off with this one? Sure, no problem. Um, I am picking a film that I didn't actually hate, but because of what's come before, I had a real problem with it, and that movie is John Wick 3. Oof. Um, I love John Wick more than life itself. The character, the action, that rich underworld that they've created. You know, it's the time's come around to do our best of decade list, and the first movie's definitely in my top ten movies of the decade. Um, the second movie... I don't think it's as good a film, but if anything, the action's even better. It is. Um, but the genius of the first film was that it was about that dog. You really cared. And that's what makes, just elevates that one. The second one, it was because of a betrayal. And I kind of understood where that was going. And you, you were almost on the side. You could see where the baddie was coming from. So I thought that was an interesting direction to go in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this third one, it was all about some dumb rules being broken. That's why all these people were getting killed. And I didn't really care about what John was doing, why he was doing it. And at times I didn't understand why he's doing it and thought he was being a bit out of order. Can I throw a proverbial feline, uh, no, canine, cats and dogs, uh, canine spanner in the works. Um, the dog work, <laughs> it, like I, I, imagine a spanner that is also a dog. Okay. I'm throwing it at you. I found the dog work, the stunt work that the dogs do in John Wick 3, like, I understand the emotion might not be there, but it kind of is when you think Halle Berry's dog has been killed early on and then it's not dead, thank God, and then it exacts its revenge on those henchmen. The dog stunts in this movie. I know you're laughing and I never thought I'd find myself saying the dog stunts. What are we doing with our lives? <laughs> but it's brilliant. I remember watching the trailer and the bit where the dogs go at the same time to attack and, like, Halle Berry and... Keanu Reeves are coming up behind them with guns. I would like my heart leapt. It was one of my favorite trailer moments of the year. And that yeah. carried through into the film. I agree it's the worst of the trilogy, but I don't think it can be the biggest disappointment of the year. It is because of the high expectations and hopes I had. Um, and also, I re- there's one other thing. I think they really missed a trick. I thought the worst acting in it was Asia Kate Dillon as the adjudicator. I thought she was just terrible in it. Mm. And the way they added Lawrence Fishburne to part two, I thought they missed a real opportunity by not making that Carrie-Anne Moss in this one because she would have been perfect in that role Mm. and just to see the three of them together like that. Um, But yeah, I mean, if they'd made the entire film about that dog, fine, (laughs) but they didn't. They made me not care about John Wick and that's a real problem. I'm coming at it as a new dog owner and I want my dog to one day be able to do stunts like that. The other reason I bloody loved Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is because I want to be able to go, and my dog savage people from the Manson family. I'm like... The dogs. I, this has been a year of dogs for me. <laughs> Stunt dogs. Vicky, what's your biggest disappointment of the year? My biggest disappointment of the year is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
Time Don't forget, television. she's only seen two films. So, um, <laughs> this was the other film I so, saw. You mean it's just not as good as Joker for you? <laughs> essentially, yes. Um, it was ruined because I saw a trailer for Joker right before and I was like, that looks fucking amazing. Oh, and I've got to sit here for three and a half thousand hours. So wait, because a trailer for your favourite film of the year played before Which, but the only other film you saw this yeah. year... That's the comparison. I didn't I had no expectations of Joker, and then we went to see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and I'm all I'm ready to watch this lavish immersive experience, which it is, which it, which it is absolutely. And then I saw a trailer for Joker, and it was so much better <laughs> than I thought it was going to be in a million million years. Like I was, I was like whooping in the row. I stood up. I was like, Yeah, oh my God, it looks so fucking good. And I was like, Oh. No, I'm not watching that. I'm watching this. Okay, imagine, just like, hypothetically, you hadn't seen the trailer for Joker just before yeah, you yeah, saw Once yeah. Upon a Time. Let's take, yeah. let's take the fact there was a trailer before this movie <laughs> out of the equation. Fine, I've got a proper answer. Shut up a second. Okay. Let me speak. So, um, the, so it's brilliant up until the ending. Right. So it is uh, everything you said for why it's your favourite film, I 100% agree with. And then what uh, am I watching? Are you going to go into spoilers here? Because we should just say. No, no, no. I'm not okay. going to ruin it. But I'm just saying, what am I watching at the end? Like, what am I actually watching? Like, the story, mm. I've, I've spent a long time with these people and a long time with these characters. And to be blindsided by that ending, I did not appreciate it. You were blindsided by it because you didn't expect yeah. it. Uh, but I think that's why. When you don't expect the ending and then the camera's pulling away and then it goes once upon a time in Hollywood and you forget. I'd forgotten. I was like, of course, it's a fairy tale. Yeah, I It's know. meant to be fiction. Yeah. It's like the start of Inglorious Bastards where it's once upon a time in Nazi Germany. Yeah, but that's the other thing. You know, see, I don't want to say too much, but having seen Inglorious Bastards and the way that that story was worked through, I feel like I've had enough of that. Um, and I didn't expect it. I didn't expect what I got with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I totally see your point. So do you think it spoiled the film? Yes. That, that, yeah. No, and that, and that has been a, a criticism that has been levelled at it. But I've heard the opposite criticism. I've, Like I said at the start, there are people I know who go, God, that was boring until the end. No, I could that have was stayed. Great. I wanted to stay there all day. Like I could have stayed um, on, the, on the strip with those characters all day mm. because the attention to detail, it's such, it, I felt it was a real privilege to watch something like that. And then mm. the end is like, oh. is, is it something that morally you're against or mm. did you just think narratively? It just was, narratively, okay. yeah. You felt, was it because he'd used a similar trick mm -hmm. before? Mm -hmm. Right, okay, you felt he was going over old ground. Because yep. another question, um, the, a, a criticism that was levelled, in fact, I think at the Cannes press conference was the fact that... Um, Margot Robbie is given very few lines mm -hmm. as Sharon Tate. I watched it and that did not bother me because I think the fact that she tells you so much about that character yeah. while saying so little yeah. is a testament to how good she is. And yeah. she doesn't need lines. No, and it's the, it's the same with this nonsense about Anna Paquin in The Irishman. Have you mm. seen The Irishman? Yes, I have now. I mean, the whole point is she's not speaking. Yeah. Like, it's, it's all there etched on her face. And so, yeah, it's bizarre criticism. All right, um, I do again have a um, uh, runner-up nominee for this category, uh, which was Us. I really did not enjoy Us, and oh, okay. I loved, loved Get Out. Yeah. And I just thought Us missed an opportunity. I thought it set up some really intriguing ideas at the very start when the text appears on screen about this existence of abandoned tunnels and mines and subways under America. And I think whereas Get Out didn't need to be scary to be brilliant, Us did need to actually play as a horror film as well as everything else. And I just didn't think it was very scary. So that's my runner-up. 
My actual biggest disappointment of the year was Spider-Man Far From Home. And I say that loving Tom Holland and I love Jake Gyllenhaal. I think I'm suffering Marvel fatigue because Endgame came out in April. Then this came out in June and I just wasn't ready to inhabit the Marvel Cinematic Universe without Tony Stark and with moving the story on after I'd had the Infinity Gauntlet thrust into my chest and my dripping heart pulled out only two months ago. I feel longer should have been left between Endgame and this. And I also think we may have seen the halcyon days of the MCU now and it being asked to invest in a whole new 10-year story arc at this point isn't something I, I'm prepared to do. I don't, I'm sure some people are. But then there's also the arrogance of going, if you want to follow the MCU from here on in, you also need to watch the shows on Disney+. Plus. You can no longer really just follow it as a cinematic universe. You've got to watch the TV shows. So all of that has sort of come together, and I just found the film just a very average Marvel movie. So it's that for me. Don't know how you feel about Spider-Man Far From Home, Chris. Well, I've been in a weird position having... Um gone freelance this year uh i haven't had to see a lot of films and it's made me realize i don't care about any of this stuff as much as i thought i did (laughs) i haven't seen that spider-man movie yet i just thought oh that's one i'll catch when it's on sky yeah or maybe not sky um and so yeah it's just i maybe maybe i'd feel the same maybe i wouldn't but i have just having taken a step back from it all I've been wanting to watch films that really move me and the Marvel stuff, as you say, has all kind of congealed for me a little bit. And this is the thing. After Endgame, I was like, just leave me alone for six months. Let me watch some Art House. Let me watch some indies. You and liar. Then I'll come back. <laughs> Name me one Art House film right now that you would watch. <laughs> uh, the Lighthouse. It's very good. It is. It's very good. It is. Um, okay, so those are our three nominees. We have from Christopher. John Wick 3. From Victoria. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And from myself, Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh, well, I am obviously going to stick with my Spider-Man Far From Home because Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is my favourite film yeah, of the so year. Yeah, you can't have that. And uh, John Wick 3, I, I, I just, I love John Wick. Uh, he can do anything, almost. I mean, I love John Wick. That was my point. <laughs> mm. uh, Vicky, I, I, lo- I love him enough to forgive yeah. the flaws in that film. Okay, then in order to break the deadlock, I'll just choose, and I choose that Spider-Man film. Um, just because I do. Spider-Man Far From Yay! Home based is on, the biggest based disappointment on, of the year. Based on Alex's argument. Yes. Well, the audience seem to agree. <laughs> A lot of people over the MCU right now here at the O2 Arena. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Settle down. Settle down. It's all right. It's all right. There'll be more MCU. <laughs> uh, okay. Moving on to the next category. Uh, Victoria, would you like to do the honours for this next category? The next category is Biggest Surprise of the Year. Oh, beautiful. (laughs) The biggest surprise of the year. Tell us more about what that means. So this can be a performance you saw that was uh, surprised you in some way by being excellent or shite. Uh, It could be a scene in a movie that you thought (laughs) was We are live, Victoria. (laughs) Oh, now I'm really fired. Oh, no. Um, Maybe an interview that someone gave. Just something about 2019 uh, in films that has taken you by surprise. Okay. So, Alex, do you want to go first? Thanks very much. Uh, Yeah, I've got a short one on this one you'll be pleased to hear. I I wonder if it's the same as mine. Go on. uh, Crawl uh, was my biggest surprise of the year. Uh, The Alligator disaster movie. I absolutely loved it. I 
Walked into it really loving uh, the director, Alexandra Arger, already. I've loved him since he had mutant fish chew off Jerry O'Connell's penis in Piranha 3D. Mm. I think his Hills Have Eyes remake is probably one of the greatest horror remakes ever. Yes, even better than the Evil Dead remake, Chris. It's not as good as Don't Breathe. Has okay. Fede been in touch, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Call back. I'm going to get him on this show. I'm going to. I'm determined to. I even love the Daniel Radcliffe movie Horns that no one really liked that he did. I thought that oh, was great. Okay. So, uh, so yeah, Crawl was just, and weirdly, and not because I'm piggybacking one of the greatest directors in our generation, but it's also one of Quentin Tarantino's favourite films of the year. So, <laughs> Can I tell you a quick uh, Crawl Alexander... I, uh, uh, oh, is it Aya? Oh, I don't know. Oh. Aja, is it? Uh, I don't mind. I, I was, I interviewed. <laughs> <laughs> he might. It's not up to you. <laughs> I, I interviewed him uh, for Crawl. Okay. And I didn't actually get to put this in my piece, but I really wanted to tell someone about it. I, um, I was asking about what other monsters he might like to make a movie about uh, or any other creatures that frighten him. And he said, well, like, he said, I've been reading a lot about dicks. And I said, what? He goes, he goes, big dicks. I was reading about these super dicks and they, they terrify me, but I just don't know how I'd get them in a film. And I start laughing, then realise he's being serious. And I, I, he starts answering an, another question. And I, I stop and say, sorry, what's a super dick? And he, went, he said, no, ticks, super ticks. <laughs> oh, shit. Thank God. I told him what I thought. And he... <laughs> we were both embarrassed. Oh, he's good. got quite a strong French accent. Wow. How would you get that in a anyway, film? So it would, would it like be the opposite of, is it teeth? The mm, yeah, 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 right. yeah, yeah. Okay. He's a very cool guy, though. Liked him. Yes. Yeah. And Crawl is, I'm with you. Crawl's fantastic. It's a great movie. Yeah, great movie. That was my biggest surprise of the year because I didn't expect it to be quite so good. Chris. Okay, uh, mine is uh, a scene from a film. Okay. Uh, something that I wasn't expecting. It shocked me. It blew my mind. And it's from uh, a documentary called Fire, The Greatest Party That Never Happened. <laughs> Have you seen this documentary? No, I haven't. But I know a lot about yeah, it. Yeah, this is the guys who basically scammed a lot of rich kids to buying tickets for an island to the best event in the world and then there was nothing there no. yeah it was it was a music festival that was going to be filled with influencers and instagram models and you were going to be partying with supermodels in the bahamas and it was this guy billy mcfarland who put it on and he was basically a con artist and when they got there there were like hospital tents mm -hmm. empty beaches there was no food there was no transport it was just this complete disaster and he ended up actually in jail mm. didn't people have to be rescued yeah, they, they were, were actually airlifted out yeah, of there. stranded there um, so have you seen the documentary? I've seen, it's been on and I've sort of walked okay. in and out of rooms. So there's a guy in it called Andy King, who was one of the producers of the event. And he's one of the talking heads in this documentary. And he's an older guy. He's got grey hair. He's, he's super smart. He looks very distinguished and he speaks very well. Um, and he has a story that he tells about something that nearly happened during the festival. So I've got the clip. So uh, this is Andy speaking. Let me tell you something. We had four containers filled, four 18-wheeler trucks filled with Evian water. But I had left the week before for two days to go to meetings in Bermuda for the America's Cup. And when I came back, I'd missed the big meeting with Customs. And of course, Customs had said to Billy and the gang, you need to pay us $175,000 in cash today for us to release the water. I went down. Well, Billy called me. I'm going to speak completely, um, you know, this won't go that far, I'm sure, but Billy called and said, Andy, we need you to take one big thing for the team. And I said, oh my gosh, I've been taking something for the team every day. He said, well, you're 
our wonderful gay leader, and we need you to go down. Will you suck dick to fix this water problem? And I said, Billy, what? He said, Andy, if you will go down and suck Cunningham's dick, who's the head of customs, and get him to clear all of the containers with water, you will save this festival. And I literally drove home, took a shower, I, I, I drank some mouthwash. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm really, and I got into my car to drive across the island to take one for the team. And I got to his office fully prepared to suck his dick. So that was my biggest surprise of the year. Because <laughs> when that story starts, you don't really expect it to go where it goes. And also, the man asked for money. Like, what would you rather? One blowjob? And how good is that blowjob yeah. going to be for $175,000? You can buy a lot of blowjobs with $175,000. Well, I mean, that's the thing. He's saying one blowjob. I mean, if it was so, if he was on contract yeah. for a year. A, a retainer, like, for instance. At any time he gets flown yeah. in, like, Hello. Oh, yeah, you owe me another one. <laughs> So I won't tell you whether he did or he didn't, but the documentaries are very and good. And he used mouthwash, which is thoughtful. <laughs> Isn't there a, a, a didn't didn't something happen off the back of that with um there's an Instagram account called Fuck Jerry who were accused of stealing a lot of comics material and reposting it on their own site. And I think they were involved in the promotion of it in some way, but then they also were involved in the documentary about its failure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But th- this guy Andy, I think he ended up doing an advert for Evian. <laughs> Did he? Yeah. <laughs> Working it, baby. What would you suck dick for? <laughs> Evian. Uh, Clean that mouth out. Oh. Vicky. Uh, my biggest surprise of the year was Liam Neeson's interview for Cold Pursuit. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, so everyone knows what he said. Um, that he. Yeah, you haven't got that clip, I hope. I haven't got that Good. clip. Let's not go over it. No. But it's not. Well, obviously. There's dual aspect surprise. There's there's a shock at what he's saying. But my biggest surprise, with a bit of distance from it, is more that it was ever allowed to happen. That's what I find. I find it quite refreshing. What aspect of it? That the interview was allowed to happen or that he was allowed to say it and then apologise in such no, he's, I mean, quick that, succession? That it, that, it, that it just came... That he said it and didn't appear to at any point think, oh, fuck, I shouldn't have said that. It was just like... Let me tell this story mm. that there's no one in the wings that suddenly like runs at him and like pushes him off his chair. Like, <laughs> Shut up now! That I just Ow! find. That... I think I just got bitten by something. <laughs> yeah. What's that in your neck, Liam? Is that a dart? That either um, he has the, there was no prep or he lied during the prep or what? But just stuff that I can't. I mean, I don't interview the great and the good, so you can correct me if I'm wrong. But I imagine. There's a very strict set of questions and a very strict set of answers. And I can't imagine that this answer featured in a run through. Well, there is and there isn't. I mean, yeah, what was the question he was asked? I don't think he was asked specifically if he'd done that. No, I don't think he. No, was, I, I imagine. I can't no, so, 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 it, so it just came up in they conversation. Were like, oh, so tell us about Cold Pursuit. He's like, yeah, fuck that. Listen to this. <laughs> yeah, so that's what I'm saying, though. So that, that there wasn't a question asked. So there was no prep for that. They couldn't have. It was just something he wanted to get off his chest, clearly. Yeah, it was the biggest surprise because it just pierced through everything at the time with the uh, the shock at what he said, but also just the disbelief that this, this in our day and age, mm. can still happen. It was actually quite refreshing in some ways. I don't think it was anyone's job to run in. I think the thing is there's an assumption with a star of yeah. Liam Neeson's calibre and stature that you don't you assume that he knows what he's doing. It's, <laughs> you know, he's not a young star who needs to be micromanaged by a PR and also, there's an interesting argument. I've heard this, <clears throat> excuse me, leveled at um, PRs before, where when they work for the studio, 
as opposed to the individual and their concern is for the movie. If they see something like that happen, the PR for the movie is incredible. I mean, everyone knows Cold Pursuit mm. for the wrong reasons, mm. but it does put that movie on the map. And so there is an angle of going, well, a lot of people are going to know about the fucking movie. Yeah. So you wonder. You wonder. Yeah. All right, biggest surprise of the year. Votes, please. I think I'm going to have to vote for Fire Festival because that surprised me in the room. So. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm going to vote for Fire Festival as yeah. well because yeah. I'm drinking a bottle of Evian right now. <laughs> and um, and it's, uh, it's refreshing. And also, because I, I could see out of the corner of my eye, Alex had kind of switched off halfway through that clip and then suddenly he was back on. <laughs> so I literally saw him get surprised in the room. So the winner is the blowjob sequence from the Fire documentary. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that into my life. <laughs> oh, everyone's a fan of that. <laughs> Couple of people leaving for the bathrooms. It's been inspirational here at the O2 Arena. Don't forget your mouthwash. <laughs> All right, then. So time for our next category. Chris, would you like to introduce our next category? Yeah, well, as this is a family show, talking about family things... Uh, and this podcast is dropping on December 24th. We are going to say our favourite Christmas movie. Oh, lovely. So our favourite Christmas movie is and the next category. Alex is going to go first. Okay, uh, quite simply, this is a really, really easy one for me. Uh, simple as, hands down, no questions asked. Die Hard. Okay. Done. Die Hard is my favourite Christmas movie. And if there is anyone left in the world who goes, it's not a Christmas movie, it absolutely is. Someone goes, ho, ho, ho in it. It's You've got... been working on that. <laughs> Thanks very much. Because <laughs> uh, remember, I couldn't do Rickman earlier. I can do those lines of Rickman. Uh, it's got a Christmas soundtrack. And certainly for Ellis, Hans, booby, I'm your white knight. It's a white Christmas. Wow. Uh, Why did you sound like Christopher Walken? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good, it's a good Ben Ellis impression. Hans, booby, I'm your white knight. Um, Christopher Walken. <laughs> did it again. All right, so I've got a very quick diehard story to celebrate uh, the fact that it's my favourite Christmas movie, which is the guy who plays Ellis uh, in it, uh, a guy called Hart Bockner. He decided to play Ellis himself as this sort of coked up sleazebag. And the director, John McTiernan, on the first day that um, he was shooting as Ellis, sort of went up to him and went, what the fuck are you doing? This is not how I see this character. I see him as a kind of smooth-talking Cary Grant kind of character. I don't like what you're doing. We'll pick this up tomorrow. Change it. Hart Bockner sticks to his guns, comes back in tomorrow and carries on playing him as this like sleazy kind of guy, like Hans, booby, except. All right. <laughs> anyway. McTiernan, John McTiernan, director, comes up to him and goes, and goes, what the fuck did I tell you? Absolutely not. And then he sees Larry Gordon, Joel Silver, the producers, sort of laughing in the corner over the rushes of Hot Bockner's takes and goes over and they have a conversation and John McTiernan comes back to Hot Bockner and goes, do what the fuck you like. <laughs> <laughs> it was my idea, Will <laughs> Who was the first actor to play John McClane on screen? Uh, it's not a sequel to, oh God, it's... Oh, yeah, it's that. Yeah, I don't know. but Because I was going to think it because people often say this was going to be Commando 2. So, but it's no, not. nothing to do with that. Yeah. It's quite a good bit of trivia, this. Uh, Frank Sinatra. 
Damn it. That's oh, right. really? Yeah. Because it's based on a book, Nothing Lasts Forever, I think, the character. Mm. And so they had to offer, they were contractually obliged to offer Die Hard to Frank Sinatra yeah, before did. Bruce Willis. <laughs> and they were just praying that he would say no, which he obviously did because he was an old man. Everyone said no, which is how it ended up in Bruce Willis's lap. And he was, um, I think it was, you know, we talked about this the other week where people were doing day jobs in the daytime and yeah. night jobs in the nighttime. He was still shooting moonlight. He was literally moonlighting. Yeah, he was. <laughs> yeah. um, oh, that's pleasing. <laughs> so, yeah, Die Hard's my favourite Christmas movie. Vicky? My favourite Christmas movie is While You Were Sleeping mm. because Sandra Bullock. Also because Bill Pullman uh, is gorgeous in it. Um, I just love the... Isn't he unconscious for most of it? No, that's his brother. Right. Um, it's... I can't believe you got that wrong. Anyway. I actually so... haven't seen it because... I knew you were quiet. <laughs> Fucking hell. Peter Gallagher, isn't it? The yes, brother? yes, it is. Peter Gallagher and his eyebrows. Mm. Um, Nothing wrong with big eyebrows. It's just a proper rom-com and it's set at Christmas. <laughs> it's it's perfect. When Bill Pullman realises that he loves Sandra Bullock and he says, um, from the moment you meet her, you don't know whether to hug her. I think he says hug her or kiss her or arm wrestle her. And I was like, oh, my heart. Like... Everything about that film I love. They're, together, they're really sweet. They're really believable. I mean, it is schmaltzy, um, but it's set at Christmas. Is it? Oh, yeah. I've never seen it on any Christmas movies list, so I'm I'm surprised. Yeah, I think he gets run over on Christmas Day. Okay. And that's what I think. I haven't watched it for a few years. Um, but I think that adds to the confusion as to why Sandra Bullock is in the hospital, because where who else would be there on Christmas Day if it wasn't his fiance? Right. Do you know the story of the film? Do I want to? I think you should watch it. I think you'd like it. Really? It's really feel good. Yeah, honestly, it's really, really good. Yeah. She's really lonely and then she gets this new family and Bill Pullman's really like, he's really, he's like... What's the twist? What? What? Like, there must be a twist. So Peter Gallagher is the person she's in love with. He gets knocked over. She, oh, so that's already someone she's with. She's not with him. That's the thing. That's why it's so nice. It's like, have you ever been in love with someone you've never even spoken to? Oh, my God, everybody has. Lovely. So he gets knocked over. She sort of rescues I him. Think it sound, I think this is why I've never watched it. Because it sounds shit. It sounds creepy. <laughs> no, it does sound creepy, but hmm. because it's got Sandra Bullock in it, it is not creepy. Right. So then she's in the hospital... She's mistaken for his fiance. She goes along with it. Then she meets his family. Oh, hello, Bill Pullman. Mm. Looking great. And she slowly grows closer to him. And then Bill Pullman has this brilliant scene where Peter Gallagher's lying in a coma, which I suppose is a little bit dark. And he said, I've never been jealous of anything you've had until now. <gasps> oh, my God. Because he's got Sandra Bullock. This feels like last week's episode. This is another movie about <laughs> lying at Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I've clearly don't have an issue with it. <laughs> All right. While you were sleeping. That's um, a curveball. Wasn't expecting that, Chris. Uh, mine is the 1946 classic, It's a Wonderful Life. Um, written and directed by Frank Capra. There's a great documentary on Netflix called Five Came Back about filmmakers who went off to World War II to help out with the war effort, came back and were completely changed. And he wrote this just after he came back from the war. And all his films after the war were about life, basically. And whereas before they'd been a bit more frivolous. And so I'm sure everyone knows the story, but it's about a bloke who, who's very generous, has given up his life to help others. And then he becomes suicidal on Christmas Eve. An angel shows up to stop him killing himself and then shows him what the world would have been like if he hadn't lived and touched and helped all the people that he'd helped. And interestingly, it was a flop at the time. And then in the 1980s, when it became cheaper to air on the TV, yeah. it was in heavy rotation in the States every December. And it just grew from there. That's, That's when it actually became the classic Christmas yeah. movie. Yeah, absolutely. The popularity uh, built from there. But every time I watch it, I'm, so I'm surprised at how dark and depressing it is. It is two hours of misery 
with 10 minutes at the end of pure joy. Mm. And so I like that as well. I like the darkness. Um, and it's so filled with the Christmas message all the way through. And it genuinely makes me cry tears of joy, which I think is really uh, magical. So I'd like to see that. Not the movie, you crying tears of joy. Mm. I don't imagine that you do cry that much. I mean, we'll get onto it because we have a category all about we crying. Do. So we'll save it for then. But do you do you find yourself crying at movies a lot? Yeah. Oh, you did? You cried at 1917 the other week. Yeah, I mean, you're spoiling stuff. I was going to say all right, later. All right, all right, all right, um, all right. Yeah. Have you guys seen It's a Wonderful Life or is that a dumb question? I've yeah, seen course. it once. Yeah. I, it's just not part of my like heavy rotation at Christmas. No. Um, but I, I know it. I actually was, it's Die Hard or Scrooged for me, but yeah. we did Scrooge the other week and I didn't want to get back into that thing because you guys didn't pick it and that's why you're getting no Christmas presents. <laughs> so suck it up. Well, sadly, revisiting Scrooge made me, made me like it less mm. last that, week. So that was... That is sad. Mm. All right, so... Favourite Christmas film while you were sleeping, um, It's a Wonderful Life, or Die Hard. I'm voting Die Hard. I don't think you can vote for mine because you've never seen it. Right. Um, but also I think both While You Were Sleeping and Die Hard can get drawn into that boring argument about whether or not they're Christmas films. They so I think we have to pick It's a Wonderful Life because it's genuinely a Christmas film. Well, are you sticking with It's a Wonderful Life? I mean, I do love, I do love Die Hard, mm. but I watched that sort of 15 Christmases in a row and then the last five have kind of Giving it a rest, whereas this one sticks around. And so, so, what are your thoughts on While You Were Sleeping? I like While You Were Sleeping. Have you seen it? Yeah, of course. I, th- I thought it was a good movie. I, I, do- I don't connect it with Christmas, though, weirdly. Okay. okay. I'll show you all the bits where it's set at Christmas. Well, yeah, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> the winner then is It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, nothing from the audience on that <laughs> that decision. I mean, it's because they're cr- they're moved. They're all they're all cr- they're emotional. How would you feel about Die Hard as the winner? Boo! Oh, okay. Well, I'm sorry, guys. You're going to have to be disappointed. It's a, it's a wonderful life. It's going to win the best Christmas film. Settle down now. Settle down, Brad. Stop it. Um. Okay. So time for our next category. Are you ready? Our next category on the Clashport Awards 2019 is the worst movie you've seen as a child that basically messes you with a f- f- frig up. <laughs> we're, not, we're live. That's still a swear, isn't it? Uh, no, you can go over there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that messes up your childhood. The film that disturbed you as a child. So do you want to take your messages now or should we do the awards show? That was, that was the, a bit more of the Fire Festival clip. Sorry about that. <laughs> He's still chatting away about his nearly blowjob. I mean, it's a great story. You've got to give the guy that. I mean, if that had happened to me, I'd be like, yo, you, sorry, can you shut up a minute? i got a bit more. How many times do you think he told that story before he was filmed telling that story? I don't know if you tell that story to anyone. Oh, I would tell it all the time. Yeah, it's a great story. It's a story. fun anecdote. You um, the reason I, I suggested this category is I spent years when I was at IGN, at the end of every, every interview, I would ask uh, the celebrity if there was a movie moment that messed them up when they were a kid because everyone's got one. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that more often than not, they're not horror films mm-hmm. as well. Um, I mean, uh, what's it called? Ron Perlman. His was anything with quicksand. He was terrified of quicksand. He said, I still am. I mean, I don't think that is a problem that you have in LA that often, but I wouldn't know. Yeah, no, it, as, as someone who travels to LA a lot, yeah, the La Brea tar pits are um, expanding. <laughs> a real thing. Mm, so it's a, it's a death trap out there. Uh, Vicky, do you want to go first on this one? The worst movie uh, that for me to have seen as a child, which messed up my childhood, is My Girl. 
Um, oh, mm. oh, the bees! <laughs> it's not the, the bees! That's, that's Wicker Man remake. Yeah, but there's bees. I've, yeah, yeah, it's oh, bees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you not seen it? I think I, I think it was one of those movies that I was forced to watch at a yeah. friend's birthday yeah. and switched off because, like, why would that interest me? It's not the bees scene. It's um, oh god, it's he can't see without his glasses. It's that bit which everyone who's seen it will know. So mm. when he's he's in an open casket and um, Vader, his best friend. She's very upset that he's dead, and but he wore glasses. Vader. She's called Vader. Yeah, the character's called Vader. Is it? And is that? Re- do they do Star Wars jokes around that? Oh Jesus Christ! No, do they? It's a fair <laughs> question. She's trying to get emotional here. All right, Star Wars is emotional. <laughs> Shush. Anyway, Macaulay Culkin wore glasses. They get sort of very cinematically knocked off when he's being stung by bees, and they just get forgotten about. Mm. And she is, she's very distraught about the fact that he's died, and she runs to the casket. Howling in my memory, she's howling. I don't think I could watch it again. Like I don't think I could see a clip of it. I'd be too sad. And she sort of flies towards the casket, just howling. But he can't see without his glasses. He can't see without his glasses. And it, everyone, I went to the cinema with my family to see, it and every which is a really bonding experience because every single person in the cinema was openly sobbing, like racking sobs, like not just polite sort of. Oh, that's so like why. Just, He's dead, though. Yeah, he's dead. Why does he need to bloody see? Why he's does dead. he need his glasses? Dicky, why does he need to bloody see? What is wrong with you two? What is wrong with you two? Where are your hearts? You wear glasses. Yeah. So I can see without them, though, so it's not such a big deal. So should should they put you in your open casket That's without... That's not the point glasses? of the scene! I'm just asking so I know in case no one else runs forward with glasses, would you like me to run towards... You are not going to be in charge of my funeral. <laughs> <laughs> is that you? I mean, that would be a weird <laughs> twist of fate if, he end, if that ended up the case. I'd be sorely disappointed <laughs> yeah, if the only person taking care of me... I'm on the you're, guest list, right? You're on the guest list. For the guest answer, list. Yeah, for can the it, wake, it, not for the... He's Alex Zane, he's going to expect VIP. <laughs> yeah. They've got loads of them. Those like robes, like what are they? The, the red robe. Yeah, the red they robes. They've got loads of those yeah. in churches. Just, That's fine. Give gonna, me a pew to myself. Yeah. You want to sit on a raised platform? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. On a throne. Yeah, with a gun loaded with glasses to see if I can get them on your face from the back of the church. Missed. What a joyous conversation about Vicky's death. <laughs> Oh, that's really cheered me up, actually. <laughs> I, don't, I think sometimes it's best to confront these things. Oh, on. that's landed in her mouth. One more. <laughs> <laughs> but just sort of like sticking up because <laughs> yeah. of rigor mortis. <laughs> anyway, so that's it. Anyone who's seen that film knows exactly what I'm talking about. And everyone's seen that film. Everyone has seen that film. Mm. Um, I, I've taken this in a really basic way, which is I I do have uh, two horror movies. I couldn't decide which, but... Um, I watched them within three months of each other in the 80s and I was too young to see them. And the first is the TV miniseries It that was then turned yeah, into a film yeah. and released on VHS. Uh, full respect to Bill Skarsgård and what he did with the modern It. I don't mind it at all. Tim Curry mm. as Pennywise. Always waving from the audience. <laughs> Shout <laughs> Good out. to see you. Hiya, Tim. Thank you very much for coming, Tim. Uh, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll direct this to you. So you, sir, are a legend and you fucked up my childhood <laughs> so much. Um yeah, from the opening sewer scene when his eyes go green and his teeth are long to the scene, which is weirdly not him. It's where he is in the mental institution and the guy, he's killing the guard to release the guy and the camera pans up this really long clown neck and at the top of the neck is the head of a Rottweiler. Now, I was attacked by a dog shortly before I'd seen that. Oh, no. 
It's, uh, yeah, I, was, uh, I think I must have been about seven or eight. And it was, it's the only time I've spontaneously wet myself of course. Uh, in my life. And, you know, I, I like to believe that it was my body trying to create a moat uh, so the dog couldn't get over it. <laughs> or just a deterrent of some sort. Yeah. Moat. Um, How much piss was there? <laughs> oh, there was a lot. It was a big dog. I don't know whether the amount you piss is related to the size of the dog attacking you. I believe you. It's, it's a direct relationship, <laughs> yes. If there's a correlation there, there was a lot of wheat. Um, so, yes, yeah, so that terrified me. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, Pennywise, uh, Tim Curry uh, as it. And if not that, um, the other movie I watched within a short space of time was Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm. And it was just the fact that I sort of watched it without thinking, oh, this is going to be scary. Or at least thinking, I know it's a horror movie, but I'll go to sleep. Yeah, yeah. And, it's and everything will be fine. The greatest conceit in, <laughs> yeah. uh, in horror movie history, the idea that you cannot escape the monster because it comes when you go to sleep. And it's the first movie before he became sort of the wisecracking boogeyman. It genuinely is fucking terrifying. Mm-hmm. Those are my two. Chris? Yeah, uh, mine, and I don't know if I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but it's so specific, I've got to say it again. It's it's Superman 3. Um, now, I went and saw this film with my mum, and it was back when they used to have lobby cards in the cinema, and I can remember reading through this little booklet on Superman 3 with pictures, and there were pictures of this robot woman, and the pictures frightened me. And I said to my mum, I'm not sure I want to watch this. But we watched the film and it's Annie Ross plays a character called Vera Webster who gets sucked into a supercomputer late on in the film. And there's wires all over her face and her mouth and she makes these ungodly yelps. And then she comes out this cyborg monster firing lasers out of her eyes. And I was just beside myself with fear in the cinema, Um, desperate to leave. It gave me nightmares for years. I still find it frightening to watch. <laughs> and I, I posted about it on Twitter a couple of years ago. I posted a picture of it and, and said <laughs> that story. And so many people responded having had exactly the same experience. Like that terrified a whole generation. And it was supposed to be in a fun Superman film. So <laughs> I don't know how that happened. Did you see, um, it's a terrible film and it so obviously bears the scars of being a script that was entirely unrelated to the Cloverfield universe that once again they put Cloverfield in front of like 10 Cloverfield Lane and passed it off as a Cloverfield movie The Cloverfield Paradox did you mm. ever bother watching I it? I did yeah that's a that bit if uh, it, when the ship teleports it into the existence of another ship mm. and they hear that banging inside the walls of the ship and they rip off the panel and it's the ship is teleported onto a woman and like she's just all the wires are running through her entire body mm. and she's just trapped inside the walls of the ship that's the only good moment in the movie. Yeah. I think it's something primal, like something about your humanity, watching her humanity disappear as she just becomes... It really got under my skin. Even as a kid, there was something more frightening than the horror films I watched back then. So, Superman fucking three. Right then, time to vote on what is the most upsetting moment. This is a weird one to vote on because these are all very personal, but based on what you've all said and the fact that I get to go to Vicky's funeral with a glasses gun. <laughs> I'm going with my girl. Yay! You should go with my girl because it's it's a real fear. It's the sudden realisation of mortality when you are not ready for that because you're seven years old. And the glasses gun. And the glasses gun, obviously. I'm going for my girl because I'm getting slightly concerned that Vicky's not going to win a single category here. Oh, that's kind. So let's let her have one. You so should it's... know that I don't care, but that's kind nonetheless. That's what's exactly what someone would care would say. <laughs> my girl is the winner of the thing that affected you most as a child. Tim, Tim, don't go. Tim, I'm sorry. He's gone to go get his attack dog. (laughs) Wait, is that gun full of glasses? Tim, fuck off. Right, our next category. Victoria, would you like to announce this category? 
This category is most hated film, but everybody else loves it. So it's a movie that I'm only just checking because this changed at the last minute. That's right. <laughs> it's a movie. Wake up. <laughs> a movie that everyone likes that you hate. Correct. Okay, great. I've got it then. Good, good. Who would you like to go first? Uh, Chris, you can go first. Okay. Um, it's hard to find a film that everyone likes or everyone hates. Um, All right, don't undo the category. <laughs> don't start so picking rude, the threads. Yeah. So I, I've gone for one that does split opinion a bit, but I think it's quite timely, and the people that love it really love it. But do you hate it? Yes. Okay, good. Well, hate's a strong word. Also, I don't really hate anything. The category's called really? a movie that everyone likes that you hate. I don't hate anything, so this is the closest I could come. This I is the film that I'm setting. I hate you right now. Um, so I'm going to say The Last Jedi. Okay. I thought you didn't mind that because it's your pal Ryan. <laughs> oh, okay. I got confused just because, you know, I know. Because of things he said? Yeah. He's, he's, not, he's not my friend. He's friend. Yeah. We. Oh, no, my yeah. friend is Noah who's in all his films. No, and also, sorry, we pitched him as your BFF because you weren't here the week. Oh, we okay. <laughs> oh, he's, yeah. my, he's definitely my mate. Yeah. He's definitely my mate. Yeah, you remember when Chris wasn't here? Yeah. Yeah, we sold it as like Chris's mate. Yeah. yeah. We pitched it that it wasn't a it wasn't a junket interview. We said that you were in a bar yeah. together having a drink and just doing a chat. That's why I think that. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, I feel really bad that my mate Ryan Johnson directed this movie. Fair but, day. Uh, <laughs> uh, but just from that opening moment with Luke tossing the lightsaber like he's in a Three Stooges film <laughs> to the Canto bite entire sequence to Benicio Del Toro's uh, performance, I've always been very invested in the Star Wars films and this one just completely switched me off to the point that I haven't even looked into seeing the final instalment yet. Nope. Um, so it's a weird one, isn't it? I wonder how much of an effect uh, people's dislike of the Last Jedi will have on this final one. Because I, I genuinely, I was excited to see the previous two, and after Last Jedi, I just don't have that appeal for right. me. It's the opening sequence where General Hux goes from being a villain Ugh. to a comedic character, yeah. where he's like, "Can he hear me? Why can't he hear me?" Yeah. It's like it belongs in Guardians of the Galaxy. It's also yeah, the whole casino planet scene. Oh God. It's just like. It Baseball. belongs in the prequels. It looks like yeah, it's shot yeah. for the prequels. Doesn't belong in this. Um, a Princess Leia floating through space mm -hmm. is like, when was that a force power? And when did Leia have force powers like that? And also, you know, just shut up. So that was awful. The only good bit, and I would say this to anyone, <clears throat> is the bit where um, Laura Dern's character destroys the enemy Star Destroyer by going to light speed through it with her ship. And you know why that is? Because that exists within the confines of the rules that we know about Star Wars, and yet is an aspect that we've never seen done on film before, and it's fucking awesome. And but the that, whole sound design on that scene, where it just goes so silent, is immaculate. But that would have been better if that had been Princess Leia who'd done that. You know, this character, a character that we know and, and, ha and gets a great moment. But yeah, so but the people that like this movie really love it is, is my point here is why I've picked it especially on Twitter like the abuse I get if ever I mention my disappointment with, with that film like people are nuts for it say so it's by far the best uh, Star Wars movie and I think it's one of the worst sure right well Vicky good. strong words uh, films that everybody loves that I feel that I can admit that I hate <clears throat> Easy Rider <laughs> fucking boring Rocky not interested Blade Runner, to be honest, like obviously seminal in how it looks, but actually, is it a bit boring? 
Yes. Sorry, you're saying a bit... <laughs> we're going to go back to the category then. You're saying a bit boring. It's about hatred here. You wanted it to be hatred. You're just saying it's a bit boring. Yeah, I do have a WhatsApp from you going, hate. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know if it was directed at me or it was the category, but I thought it was the category. <laughs> um... Is this just a list of films you don't particularly like? Yeah, but it's the the, the, that... these just feel like they're the de- definition of meh, like yeah, a yeah, little yeah, shrug and kind of. They're films eh, that you're supposed if it's to love. On, I'll watch the, it, but they're meh. films that you're supposed to love. You're not allowed to say you don't like them, and now I'm saying I don't like them because they're boring. All right, well your answer's suitably vague. Uh, <laughs> I'm going. Are, to... are you done? Are you done? Or was there more? <laughs> was there more cracking films on that list? Fucking <laughs> <laughs> Rocky. Fucking hell. Blade Runner. Is that it? That's it. I mean, I can keep going, but that's it for now, yeah. Full Metal Jacket, boring. (laughs) These aren't. Platoon, also boring. Right, right. Okay, boring isn't hate, but let's move on. (laughs) You just made such a big point about (laughs) hatred. The Human Centipede, fine. I hate that film. But not everyone likes that. No, no, but that's why it's difficult. It's a hard category. I see that now. (laughs) (laughs) Now now that we're live at the O2 (laughs) with an audience here watching you disintegrate on stage. Hey, no one can see me. You say disintegrate, I say I'm finding my power. Would you have a problem with the writer-director of Human Centipede guesting on this show? Oh, for God's sake, Chris. Oh, what's his I name? Mean, He's got a great name. Tom Six. Six. Tom Six, Tom yeah. Six. Um, I, I don't know what to say. No, I suppose. Good. Right. I have <laughs> a, a friend of a friend who was in a Human Centipede 2 and described it as one of the most horrific acting jobs she's ever had because the nose guard that she was Ugh. meant to wear to be attached to the person in front kept slipping off, so her Jesus nose was Christ. actually was she, was she, in the butt crack of the person Was she in front. one of the main... Like five or six women in it, or was she like an extra? I've not watched it. So oh, okay. I don't know, but I'll find out. Yeah, because I'm, I'm hung out with all those girls. Oh, yeah. In uh, Austin. Don't call them <laughs> girls. Fuck's sake, Chris. <laughs> They're actors, Christopher. All right, I actually have an answer for this. Suck it up. Now, I have an answer for this. I find that a lot of people liked a movie that I hated, mm-hmm. and it's from this year, and that movie is Toy Story 4. Okay. Oh. I hated it. I genuinely have never been so bored by a Pixar movie. <laughs> and I watched The Good Dinosaur. So, oh, I've watched The Good Dinosaur a yeah. lot of times. That's a slog. It's a slog. But I, for two reasons. First of all, I just do not, I cannot condone a movie that has no right to exist. The end of Toy Story 3 is literally possibly one of the greatest ends to a movie trilogy in the history of movie trilogies. Mm -hmm. It's note perfect. You get the rescue from the furnace, their mortality, the passing on of the toys by Andy to someone. It's it's perfect. This movie should not exist. You cannot. You could write the best movie in the world and it should not exist. It's just a money grab. I'm glad because I was looking forward to seeing that at Christmas. Uh, uh, And you you probably go... "Eh." I really feel strongly about its its lack of need. I can buy into your reasoning there. Mm. So, time to decide what is the movie that you hate that everyone else likes. doesn't really work as a category because we all have different ones, but I'm actually throwing my hat into the ring with Chris Tilly and going with The Last Jedi. I mean, I would almost throw my hat into your ring, but because I haven't seen it, Sorry? it's difficult. But you're... <laughs> it's like your funeral all over again. That's how mine's going to end. I'm, I'm going to be... I'm going to aim from here. I'm going to be face down in my casket. Face down in my casket with a slightly raised pelvis and you're going to have a gun full of hats. <laughs> 
Like little... a top hat. <laughs> no, little, <laughs> little sombreros. Little sombreros. <laughs> Just all sorts. See how many you can get up there. That's true. You probably want a flat cap, if I'm honest. <laughs> um, um, because your reasoning is sound there, but because I haven't seen Toy Story 4, I can't really commit, so... Uh, well, why don't we just say Star Wars so that you get loads of abuse on Twitter and that'll make us all laugh. The winner is The Yay! Last Jedi! <laughs> oh, which for the record I don't hate. <laughs> just don't like. You were welcome to write the categories. Sorry. <laughs> I did. No one liked them. I, I, I actually did, Vicky. Didn't I? It was a first draft. You said it was a first draft. You did say, feel free to edit this Google Doc, which is Thank what Victoria you. did. If anyone's to blame here, it's me for not getting involved on any level. And That's now always yes. the finding out, yes. finding out live on stage at the O2 that these categories don't work. So apologies what? to our gathered celebrity audience. You didn't just not get involved. You walked out on the meeting we were having. <laughs> Oh, I had stuff to do. So, our next category, who would like to announce it? Um, I'll announce it. I think, is it my turn? Oh, fuck it. It is now. <laughs> our next category at the ClashPod Awards 2019 is the most emotional film you've ever watched. The film that always makes you cry. So, the movie that always makes you cry is our next category. Uh, Victoria, shall you start this one? I'll keep it quick uh, because it's very, very obvious. But the film that always makes me cry, and by always, I'm not overdoing it. I'm not over-exaggerating. I mean, absolutely, every single time I watch it, if I walk past it and it's on, if I hear the music, even talking about it now, mm. The Snowman. <laughs> but that's my honest answer. I wanted to think of something funny and cool to say and a little bit sort of left field. Hey. But it's <laughs> Don't change the habit of a lifetime. <laughs> Which so you're talking Don't about start being funny. <laughs> you're talking snow. about the Michael Fassbender thriller from a couple of years ago. Yeah, exactly. And which so particular <laughs> scene in that? It's so awful. I cried. I cried because I realised I'd never get that time back. I really wanted to suggest for a clash of the titles, the snowman versus the snowman. <laughs> no. I just thought it was too weird. <laughs> you're right. Um, that is weird. What the even the Alan Jones song? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I was when I was writing this last night. <laughs> like, I'm not even going to try. It came on. I've been listening to um, Magic, which is just playing Christmas songs on repeat, and it came on as I was writing this sentence. I was like, Oh my god, it's meant to be, and I teared up when I was writing. I mean, I'm very emotional. Like, like I've, I cry at a lot of films, mm. but if the honest answer to the question is what always makes you cry, it's The Snowman. Okay. Um, do you watch it with or without the David Bowie <laughs> sequence? <laughs> what David Bowie sequence? There's a there's a live action sequence at the beginning where he introduces the story. Oh yeah, there is. Isn't and like, he's, <laughs> he's the kid. Yeah. The idea is no, he's the kid. We do not watch that version. Oh, I like that bit. No. Yours, Chris. Um, so as you said two days ago, I was openly weeping in a cinema, uh, 1917, which will be out on. January 1st uh, that is a very emotional roller coaster of a movie is that what you're picking though no I am picking um, well I think there's so many films that are designed to make women cry specifically like beaches and do we have different tear ducks oh sorry we do right like, just to confirm no, I was just checking I thought you were good. I wanted to help you out I was, I was jumping on your side I was like glands <laughs> we do have different glands yeah. is that right like beaches and still magnolias and the notebook so like films that celebrate sisterhood or like notebook. You are in such choppy water. Um, Please carry on. I mean, you did just list like Platoon and Rocky <laughs> as movies you hate. The and Blade Runner. These are great films. But what are they? Man's films? Is that what you're saying? The, That's not what I'm saying. The, the one of the last. <laughs> I'm, sort of, just, I'm just saying. 
stuff. <laughs> the, the one of the last 20 years seems to be uh, The Notebook is the one. And it's that romance with the bad boy that I think appeals to women so strongly. And men just do not sort of gel with that. But it makes you cry. No. What? So those um, films designed to make women cry. Mine is a film that I think has been carefully built to make men cry. And that is Field of Dreams. Oh. <laughs> which is uh, the story essentially is about an Iowa corn farmer played by Kevin Costner, who hears voices, interprets them as a command to build a baseball diamond. If you build it, they will come. <laughs> and the 1990 Chicago White Sox show up. And that's what the film is supposed to be about. But it's really about getting to play uh, catch with your dad again. Um, because his dad's passed away and he gets to play catch with his dad as a young man. And that you, just gets me every single time. Are you starting to go? I get emotional thinking about Field of Dreams. So that just gets me every time. I think it's a, it's a good film with a really just beautiful theme. Okay. <sighs> I love that. I, I was I sold too, on yeah. that. That was yeah. beautiful. Um, so I never cry in real life. I <laughs> genuinely only cry at movies. Uh, and I often cry at incredible action sequences in movies. Um, for example, the one that makes me cry every time I see it is the moment in The Matrix where Neo attempts to dodge the agent's bullets for the first time and he still gets hit and he's on the ground and the agent walks over and goes, only human. And then it cuts to Trinity and she's pointing the gun at the agent's head and yeah. she goes, dodge this. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, that's so beautifully done. And then that whole sequence that leads into Trinity being in the helicopter that's crashing in slow motion over the side of the building and Neo just goes, Trinity, and grabs the rope. I'm gone at that point. I'm gone. However, I do actually have a better one that always makes me cry and it's Hazel's death in Watership Down. Of course. At the end of Watership Down where Bright Eyes comes on and just in case you want to know how oh, no. emotional that is. <laughs> Bright Eyes. Hazel meets the Black Rabbit. He saved everyone. Watership Down's going to be saved, but he has to go. It's time to go. Uh, how much do we have to pay Art Garfunkel for that clip? <laughs> uh, I kept it short. If you play it under 10 seconds, you're fine. It's also a clip from the movie, so it's not actually his song. <laughs> In inverted commas, it is. It's all right. I don't think Art listens. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, um, that's, uh, that's mine. I think actually, as I was telling it, the Matrix made me more upset. But yeah, when I, I watched this true. this morning over my cup of tea, I was like, oh, I was gone. Yeah. And it started weeping. So have you made a decision on which two of those? Uh, yeah, I'm just Watership Down. Watership Down. Okay. So it's Watership Down versus Field of Dreams. I, mean, I still think my my choice is a very, very strong choice. I defy anyone to watch The Snowman and not start crying. Um, oh, no. What? Are you going to start crying? I don't like the snowman. Yeah, what? I don't yeah. It's my worst yeah. thing. I, mean, I really hate it. I think, I think it's very manipulative. When it's on at Christmas, mis- yeah. it goes off in my house. Really? Mm. Even yeah. when you were little? Even When yeah, I was yeah. little, it was worse. I was like, it's sappy, saccharine bullshit. Ooh. Oh, oh sorry, gosh. Vicky, because I, I, I do want you to win more of these categories. I like but... the Raymond uh, Raymond Briggs, uh, the Father Christmas. Yeah. That one I'll watch every year when that's on, but the snowman. And when the wind blows is hilarious. <laughs> it's so funny at the end because they they think they can build a shelter like in World War Two, but they can't because there's so much fucking fallout. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, so what are we doing here? What? Her hair's falling out. <laughs> Stop it. So neither of us are voting for Snowman because we don't like it. 
No, fuck So it's summer. between Field of Dreams and Watership Down. I think you should cast the deciding vote between those two. Um, Field of Dreams, for oh. its uh, mature theme. Rather than, and actually, that song at the time is the most moving thing in the world. It's actually quite grating. So, and we all we all know how you feel about rabbits and animals in general. Anyway, <laughs> fuck them, right? Fuck them. It depends. Can you make a coat out of it? Am I interested? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh, I've just watched Watership Down. I am going shopping. <laughs> That reminds me. I am hungry. Uh, Alec, go punch a rabbit. (laughs) Alex, uh, you came up with this category, so would you like to explain it? Oh, okay. Well, we haven't done the winner then. Uh, Do you not want the audience to applaud because it's so heartbreaking? Yes. Uh, Okay. Well, so the winner is Field of Dreams. Okay. Shouldn't they be crying? Uh, yeah, did you want to find the sound effects? Because you're welcome to. <laughs> oh, oh. Uh, sound effects, I mean. Sounds grouchy. <laughs> Christmas, I hate this time of year because um, when I was a kid, uh, my dad climbed down the chimney as a father. <laughs> oh, come on, Vicky. You must have seen that coming. I didn't. Oh, I, didn't. God. I wasn't listening to anyone, to be honest. <laughs> if you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Uh, all right then, so back in the game, here we go. Next category, oh, here we go. The most uncomfortable watch <laughs> you've ever had. In the room with another person, be it your parents, a date, whoever, when you've gone, oh, you should not be watching this right now. I wish I'd put on the snowman. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant uncomfortable as in you're just wearing tight trousers. He's uh, always wearing tight trousers. <laughs> he's never not wearing tight trousers. That's absolutely true. Because you know? genuinely, Einstein used to wear the same clothes every day so he could remove the need to make a decision about what he wore that day so that brain power could be spent on clever things. So where the fuck's your brain power going then? I found the applause effects. <laughs> uh, Vicky, do you want to start with this one? No, because my story's really stupid. Like, I haven't watched a film with my parents for like, 20 years mm. and I've had the same partner for 20 years. And so uncomfortable moments that I think Alex is alluding to haven't come up that often. So I what do... about with your kids? But they're too young to be embarrassed in front of them. Like, okay. How old's your eldest? Five. Okay, so this will <laughs> kind of lead on to one of mine. Mm. Um, when I was five years old, it was the 80s, and there was a cartoon, um, a Japanese anime called Battle of the Planets, which was reversion for UK TV, um, all about these superheroes who defended the Earth from alien attack. Uh, they took out uh, all the graphic violence and profanity from the kids' cartoon that aired in Japan. <laughs> um, but I was obsessed with the character Princess, and at the start... Uh, she was very sexy. She wore this like little tight dress and like this cloak. She was a cartoon. Sure. And she did a flip over the wing of their spacecraft, which was called the Phoenix. And for the briefest moment, you, you, you saw her undergarments. And while I was five years old and I clearly don't know what I was feeling, I couldn't have my mum in the room. Oh, no. When that bit happened. <laughs> oh, and I, I remember going, can you leave the room? You can come for the rest of the cartoon because you rarely saw her undergarments. But in that starting moment, I was like, I need to... I need to see. Were you definitely five? I think I don't know. Maybe I was a bit older, but you I were, was young. You were sexual at five. Well, this is the thing because I don't no, know. Well, I don't know that it, it was, was pubic at four, sexual at five, <laughs> tight jeans by eight, tight, <laughs> tight jeans at nine, <laughs> on the game at ten. <laughs> um, so there's that, and then there was also when I was probably only a little bit older, like nine. My dad rented a 1984 comedy called Up the Creek from Barker's Video Store. And it's pitched as a kind of animal house and police academy style comedy. It's so... I, I'd never seen boobs before. And it's... A, it's it's there's so many boobs in it. It's a, <laughs> it's a college sex comedy. Sure. And I sat in the room with my dad. And I think to this day... He didn't get up and turn it off because that would have made him A, guilty. Mm. B, had a semi. <laughs> oh, Jesus. But it would have made me realise that there was something, something, wrong, yeah. something right. wrong with him having put this movie on. And I don't think he meant to rent it, but the Washington Post, because I looked it up today and watched the trailer, there's boobs in the trailer on YouTube, <laughs> which I didn't think was allowed. But uh, the Washington Post uh, described it as a moist smut movie. Whoa, 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 whoa. So I saw that far too young. Yeah. That was awkward. <laughs> you talking and saying stuff has just made me remember some from my childhood. Because <laughs> uh, you mentioned Police Academy. I remember Police Academy 2 was very popular in my household. And there is, and I'm sorry, I keep banging on about blowjobs, but there's a, a quite a lengthy blowjob scene oh, there. Oh, you sorry? Uh, 
No, because and oh I, shit, when he's at the podium, at the lectern, yeah, com- uh, Commandant Lashard, Commandant Lashard's at the lectern, and Mahoney's hired. Uh, the, the, yeah, I yeah. hate to think how often I watch that with my family. Um, <laughs> I think a lot of the way uh, people our age are men, in particular, <laughs> we were formed by movies that were pitched as like just knockabout comedies that were actually overtly sexual. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but the one I'm picking, um, at, and it's it's similar sort of place it comes from i think it was inspired by animal house um it had the saturday night live people and that's caddyshack and so uh that's set at a golf course a golf club and it's right at the end rodney dangerfield is playing a character called al Servic, who's pretty rude throughout the film he's funny but he's rude and the very last line of the film he turns around to the clubhouse where everyone's standing and shouts this out hey everybody we're all gonna get laid the film ends with that line and I can remember turning around to my mum and dad and saying, what does that mean? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Big moment for mum and dad. And I can remember my dad said, that they, they looked at each other and my dad sort of had a think and said, it means they're all going to have fun. <laughs> Which, you know what? Which is very sex positive, actually. Yeah, and the right answer. telling a lie. But then, they're all going to go to hell. No. But then no, I no, took no. that away with me. And in school, I was talking about getting laid oh, and telling dear. my friends about getting laid. Sure. And so, yeah, it really had quite unpleasant repercussions for me. Wow. Got expelled <laughs> for being a sex pest. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Vicky? So it's a stupid story, but it's, um, it's what I could come up with um, in 20 minutes last night. Um, in my old job, when I was an um, an agent's assistant, I used to go to a lot of um, national film and television school screenings and all of the great and the good would send their assistants there. But it was a really, really long day, a really long day and there wasn't very much time for breaks. And I usually would have a hangover because I was young. So you'd sit in a cinema all day and I hadn't eaten. Um, and my stomach like rumbled so loudly that someone shushed me and I was like, okay, whatever. Like, Because they, they didn't know what it was because it was so loud. I was like, okay, fine. And then it just kept happening and I kept getting shushed and so I had to leave. I was like, fuck this. This is so embarrassing and I'm starving actually, so I'm going to go home. <laughs> you, you've made me think of one. When At school, we they did a screening of the film 1984 with John Hurt in and there's a, there's a nude scene in it and one of the guys in my class fainted really? during the nude scene. <laughs> Oh my God, that's terrible. Embarrassing. Really The only time I've ever been around anyone who's fainted is when I used to, I was picking my nose at school <laughs> and um, and I started to make it bleed and I was like in, in, an, in an assembly oh, no. and um, and I was like, I, was, I sort of held my head back because I just didn't want to make a scene. I didn't want anyone to know what happened. So I held my head back for a bit and then I brought it forward and I was like, I think it stopped. And I just put my finger at the edge to see whether it stopped. And as I pulled it away, the biggest <laughs> blood clot you've ever wow, seen Alex. went Whoa. like it looked oh, like a tumor. It was like about three inches long and thick, deep, <laughs> like sort of semi-solid blood. Yet again, we now have no <laughs> listeners. And the girl next to me, the girl next to me, just saw it and went oh, and just fainted, like half wretched, and then collapsed on the floor. That poor girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it looked like I was pulling part of my brain out. <laughs> It doesn't matter where, what else we say now. Everyone's switched off. Uh, speaking of which, we only have 15 minutes. Okay. I'm giving us a 15-minute warning. Great. Um, so what is winning from Uncomfortable Watch? Uh, I think my nose tumour. <laughs> <laughs> that was the worst. That was the worst thing. That's the worst I've ever heard. Uh, the most uncomfortable watch, I mean, uh, I think... Um... Do, you, do you just want to win this one, Alex? Should we give it to Alex? Yeah. 
Okay, thanks. Alex. Well done, Alex. Thank you, guys. Sorry about the story. Ooh, <laughs> does someone want to pick her up? <laughs> okay. Thank you very much, security. <laughs> right. Next category. Yeah. Uh, it is. Hang on. Oh, come on, Al. Hang on, Jesus. Uh, it is the film we're most looking forward to in 2020. Lovely. What a great category. Uh, I'll go first. Uh, uh, there's a new Chris Nolan I'm excited about. New Edgar Wright. Horror film influenced by Don't Look Now. Mm-hmm. That's my bag. But I'm going for Bill and Ted Face the Music. Um, with some trepidation because it's been such a long time and I don't want them to mess it up because I do love uh, the first and second films. Well, you don't tend to like the third in a Keanu Reeves trilogy, do you? So <laughs> so we'll see, but yeah. I have an open mind. I'm super excited about it. This is all about uh, Bill and Ted haven't created the song that will save humanity like they were supposed to. So it's them. I think it's good. I think it's going to be a bit, it's a wonderful life where maybe we go back through their lives mm. and they're trying to figure out how to write this song doing that. But I think in this time, in this age where the world is shit, I think we need the sweetness and innocence of Bill and Ted in our lives. Okay. Uh, I, I hear you, Bill and Ted, and I raise you a, a few uh, potential nominees. I'm quite looking forward to this final Bond from Daniel Craig, No Time to Die. Uh, I literally, for possibly the wrong reasons, I'm not sure yet, but that Welsh accent that Robert Downey Jr. is doing in the Doolittle trailer oh, yeah. has me intrigued. Yeah, that's fair. Um, June... I am very excited about. I liked Blade Runner 2049. I did think it was a bit slow in parts, but I do think there is so much story packed into June uh, that Denis Villeneuve is going to deliver possibly one of the greatest sci-fis of our modern era. But I'm picking uh, Top Gun Maverick. Um, I love the trailer. I think it looks incredible. And also Tom Cruise sends me a cake at Christmas every year. So, um, you know, it's not bribery. I'm just a fan. What a name drop. (laughs) Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All on, right. I'm on the list. Uh, Vicky, hey, um, if you want some cake, you, you will respect the cake. Does he run a bakery now? Is that why he sends you a cake? Because you mm. order a cake from him? No, he um, he doesn't eat sugar, but it's his favourite cake. So he sends it to people who he's worked with and lives vicariously through them eating the cake. It's incredible. He sent me one last year. It's like vanilla and white chocolate. I'll bring you some. Yeah. Oh, that'd be lovely. Okay. Thank you. I'm most looking forward to Ghostbusters Afterlife, but then I watched the trailer and now I'm not so sure. Okay. <laughs> so I guess that one's not winning. <laughs> I'm just being honest. Um, All right. What, what was yours again, Chris? And also, um, I because this was frustrating for me. The two best films I saw this year were Parasite and Uncut Gems, but they aren't out till next year. Mm. So I'll tell everyone, go see Parasite and Uncut Gems. They're the best films I've seen in the last couple of years. Um, mine was Bill and Ted. Yours was Top Gun. Um, Vicky's not excited about Ghostbusters Afterlife. Semi excited, I, but I, I am looking forward to Bill and Ted, so I would. Yeah, let's I, do that because I'm sadly I'm not. I'm really not excited about Top Gun. I don't even like the first Top Gun that much. Oh, have you not? I don't. But well, I'm not a huge uh, fan of the first one. But mm. Ed Harris, like playing a uh, general, hands down, always. always. Yeah, always. Uh, he's just brilliant. But okay, have it. Bill and Ted's face the music. Which brings us, ladies and gentlemen, to our final category, which is what, Chris? I th- no, I think Vicky needs to explain this because okay. I found it a bit confusing. Oh, Vicky, is this your category? Vicky, take us away. This is the film you would most like to see. In oh, terms- hang on. Oh, sorry. Wait for, sorry. Wait for the orchestra. Sorry. They're playing us on in this awards <laughs> show, not off. The film you'd most like to see in 2020 could be made up a total fantasy of a film or a sequel to something that you'd like to see. Thank you very much, Victoria. I'll go first. 
Um, given my catch-up rate, it's um, one cut of the dead because oh, I'm, a year, I'm a year behind. <laughs> so I'm really looking forward to watching it in 2020. I've, I've got the DVD or maybe we get together and watch it. <laughs> that would be lovely. That's a terrific choice. That's the film I'm most looking forward to. God, could it be a double winner? <laughs> uh, Alex, do you want to go next? Uh Sure. Uh, the film I'd most like to see in 2020 is Police Academy, The New Recruits. <laughs> uh, so you've got Commandant Lassard, but he's now the new Commandant is played by Steve Guttenberg. Brilliant. Commandant Mahoney. Uh, got a list of hot actors uh, who I think would be good in the role. Camille Nanjiani, um, Eric Andre. These are the new recruits. Yeah. Ezra Miller's a very funny comedy actor. Will Poulter, Chris Tilly, Victoria <laughs> Crompton, Rebel Wilson, Anna Kendrick, Alex Zane. I'm just throwing a few names around for Police Incredible. Academy, the new recruits. I'd also like to see sequels to uh, the Hellboy reboot, which I thought was fucking great and not... and like so stupid it was brilliant I do not know why people hate the Hellboy reboot and I also really liked Elite and Battle Angel so I'll have a sequel to that as well please two movies that aren't getting sequels I would like to see a film that Vicky has written oh you sweetheart Chris that's such a nice thing to say oh wow <laughs> oh they love that Chris Vicky Vicky writes screenplays as you don't know and I've read one of them and it was really good got so. a little bit emotional that was, that's really taken me by surprise uh, and also, I went down the route you did. Uh, I, I've listed some films I think deserved sequels that didn't get them. So I will say them to you and you tell me yay or nay. Mm. The Nice Guys. Yes. No, I liked it, but I didn't think it was that good. Dread. Yes. Mm, yes. You probably haven't seen this. Bubba Hotep. Yes. Yeah. The one where uh, Bruce Campbell yeah, plays yeah. Elvis. Yeah. yeah, there's supposed to be one with a mummy in the next one. Or, no, vampires. A vampire in the next one. Yep. Uh, dog Soldiers. Not bothered. Nothing. No, not the Last Starfighter? No. No. District 9? Yes. Uh, yes, I guess there is some interest in what happens to Wickers, yeah. Mm. And isn't it? Yeah, that alien. Uh, Big Trouble in Little China? I suppose. <laughs> oh, come on. Jack Burton. Pork Chop Express. Bring it back. <laughs> okay, yeah, all right, all right. Um, this is one I'm very attached to, Sing Street. Oh gosh, I think up. there no. would be an amazing sequel to that. I want to see what happens to him in London and what happens to his brother. Boring! And I really want to see a Hulk movie with Mark Ruffalo. No. No. Do without that. I told you at the start, a bit bored of the MCU at the moment. So no, but I think some of those are great. Give me the list again. Who was on there? I want to, I want to tell you what I think my favourite is because I think it's going to win. Uh, I would like a sequel, yeah, to Dread, please. <laughs> All right, Dread Two. I'm saying, or you would you? What would you prefer, Dread Two, or a film that Vicky has written? This is a good opportunity for you to be nice. <sighs> film that Vicky's written. No, you can't. No, do a that. film that Vicky's written. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, you love that, didn't you, Vicky? Can you write Dread Two? I definitely could. All right, Dread Two, written by Vicky Crompton. I love it. Look, they love that as well. Do you love that? Oh, fantastic. <laughs> Dread 2 by Vicky Crompton coming soon. But I'm going to make him take his helmet off. Is that all right? No, it's not all right. <laughs> so before we go, I, do, I don't have a quiz, but I have one question for you. Okay. Do you know what was the biggest flop of this year? You've done the top five movies. As in cost the most, but made proportionally the least. Or yes. didn't, no one went to see it. Like biggest budget, no one didn't make it back. So uh, what, what the clue I can give you here to make it more specific is it is the third worst opening ever for a movie that debuted on over 2,000 screens. So it had a huge release and a tiny opening weekend. Um, it came out in America in 
December this month. It came out in the UK in August, and it's an animated film. Oh! Oh, wait, was it this year? Sherlock Gnomes? No. Oh. It, it, it cost 40 million and it made 660,000. <gasps> so it's one of the all timers. And it's not very famous, but bad news. No. no, I don't know. Give us another clue. Are there uh, any more clues you can give us? I, I don't know much about it. I think it's based on a toy line. Oh, Playmobil. Yeah, Playmobil, yeah! the movie. Oh, yes. really? Alex wins the quiz. Yay! <laughs> yes! You get a movie and I get the winning of the quizzing. <laughs> yeah. But who won the podcast? Uh, I've been keeping a, to- a, a running total of... I, I feel like I've got a pretty good shot. <laughs> so, Vicky, you won uh, one of the ten categories. Oh, well. Alex, you won two of the ten categories. Chris, you won seven of the 10 categories, you won Clash of the Titles. They're just anxious to leave. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that was the Clash Pod Awards 2019. We might do it again. I think it went all right. How do you feel, guys? Uh, relieved. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed myself. And right. I do feel like I know you better. Really? Good. Yeah. Good. Uh, back to regular service next week. Um, we are doing two movies that I believe, Victoria, you yeah. are picking. We mentioned them at the end of the last pod, but yeah. let's do it again. Uh, Chris is watching Rain of Fire. Yes, that's right. And you are watching Pacific Rim. Pacific Rim with some cage. And we've got to figure out the, the link sea. because I don't know what that is right now. Really? Don't overdo it, babe. Yeah. I mean... We were trying to leave on a high. If you want to get in touch with us and agree or disagree with any of the winners or nominees on this Clash of the Titles Awards show, you can do so on Twitter. It's at ClashPod. Thank you very much. Or on email, show at ClashPod.com. Also, feel free to subscribe to us. We'd love you to. uh, And rate and review us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, That's... Oh, and... Oh, sorry. (laughs) I did actually have more to say. <laughs> this is... So, I'm flashing the light. People are leaving. People already got up. Well, it's oh, an okay. empty auditorium. <laughs> Fuck you! This was a Stakhanov production. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. 
Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.